What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. David Belznick is the founder and CEO of Detroit-based Total. In this live recording, we discuss tokenization of assets, the current regulatory environment, future financing mechanisms, and fundraising in today's bear market. For more information, you can go to Total's website at www.total.com. That's T-O-T-L-E.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation nearly as much as I did. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, we've got David here. We are recording live at Cut by Wolfgang Puck. Um, if you have not been to one of these, you should come. Tons of fun. David, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, Pomp. All right, we got a lot to cover. So let's start first with your background, and then uh, we can figure out how you got into crypto. Yeah, so um, I grew up in uh, Southeast Michigan. I went to the University of Michigan and graduated 2012. Uh, went straight to Chicago for a year really uh, learned the real estate industry, uh, worked for a development company there, uh, mostly focused on retail. And then I brought that uh, brought that skill set back to my family's office in the Detroit area. And we worked on a lot of turnaround deals until around 16, um, 16 17, when I got an interest in uh, crypto. If you went to Michigan, I'm assuming that you're not a big Ohio State fan? No, not 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 really. All right. We won't go there. Um, so when you got into crypto, when's the first time you ever heard about Bitcoin, blockchain, crypto? 2013 is when I first heard about it. I wasn't uh, as active as I as I am now in the space, but I uh, bought three Bitcoin and put them in a safe, um, held on to them. And it wasn't really until Ethereum came about until uh started really getting much more involved with the programmability of that blockchain and the the opportunities that come from that. Got it. And what was your initial reaction when you first came across crypto? Did you think everyone was crazy? No, I mean, I think I was skeptical, just like most people. I didn't really understand what the value was or why we needed it or, you know, why would even someone pay for a Bitcoin? I, I think I had the same similar reactions that most people have when they first hear about the tech. Got it. And then um, maybe talk a little bit about what you guys are doing now. I know that you guys just made a couple of announcements and then we can get into some of the nuances of it. Yeah. So uh, Total is focused on providing exchange functionality for uh, every decentralized financial application uh, in the world. So basically all of these great um, entrepreneurs and businesses out there are developing uh, decentralized applications, whether it's uh, DeFi to games to platforms. And most of them need or almost all of them need some way for uh, the participants to change one token to another. And that process requires some sort of exchange functionality and total provides that in one source. All right. So a traditional exchange, pretty self-explanatory, a buyer seller come, they meet, they decide on a price and they exchange whatever the asset is for usually capital or currency. What is the difference between a centralized exchange and a decentralized exchange? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So that's all I do is good questions on this podcast. uh, Okay, I'll try to only give you good answers. Um, So basically, in a centralized exchange, which is the model that humans have known for almost all of time, uh, you you come to a centralized exchange and you deposit your assets, right? You give up possession of your assets the first thing you do. And why do you do that? Because you give it to an administrator. You need someone who's going to keep track of all this stuff and make sure that all the trades you make and all the actions you take on that exchange go through. Um, the problem with that is you're putting your trust in that in that third party, in that administrator. Because they have your assets. Yeah, they, they take possession, whether, you know, it's legal or whether they, you know, uh, some some jurisdiction says that they need to take your assets, whatever it may be, um, they have possession, which is uh, worth a lot. Um, so in our opinion, the only real way to trade crypto assets is through decentralized exchanges. And this takes out the need for that administrative party, that third party. And so without a middleman, you can trade directly with um, with your peers uh, using decentralized exchanges and smart contracts. So I get in a centralized world where I take my assets, I put it on the exchange, right? Or I deposit it and there's an administrator that basically has control or, or um, custody of those assets. And then when I make trades, they're helping to facilitate that. In a decentralized world, where do my assets sit before I make the trade? Yeah. So similarly, if you're using a centralized exchange before you even uh, approach the exchange or begin to participate, you need to deposit them from somewhere. And when you're doing that, it's usually from your possession, from your what they call wallet, right? Well, in a decentralized exchange, you actually visit the exchange with your wallet. So you actually... um, and for example, if it's a total, which is a uh, venue where you can you can uh, do these exchanges of assets, you can go right to the website on your browser, right? And if you have a software wallet hooked up on your browser like MetaMask, you can begin trading directly from your possession. Got it. And then how does the decentralized exchange match buy sell orders compared to maybe a centralized exchange? Yeah. So that is the key right there. And that's where a lot of research and development is going in the space. Um, This concept of party matching. Right. So you need a way in a decentralized exchange to take a buyer and take a seller. And since you don't have that administrative third party, there needs to be some protocol or some mechanism for people to follow in order to be introduced to each other and negotiate pricing and settle the trade. So all of that's coded in decentralized exchanges. And the great thing about that is that uh, people can choose how they implement this. So you you have all sorts of different choices. You have AirSwap, you have Bancor, you have Kyber, you have uh, order book solutions like EtherDelta, Radar Relay. So however you feel decentralized exchange is executed the best, you freely can choose uh, what protocol what protocol to utilize. And in total, we um, we hide all of that. So you can use all of those venues in one uh, one tool. And, and so really, what you're doing is you're bundling every single one of those protocols or many of those protocols you just described into a single uh, interface. And that interface is where the value is to the end user. That's correct. And what we've really found is that it's not so much the interface is it's the access. So now we've been selling the tech without um, forcing people to come and use our interface. So wallets uh, and uh, portfolio management softwares, they all want to plug in our exchange functionality. Got it. So let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about um, what's actually traded on these exchanges, right? In the kind of traditional centralized world, uh, let's call it the incumbent financial system, you've got stocks, you've got currencies, you've got 
bonds, right? There's all kind of the traditional assets. In the crypto world, what I'll call the incumbent crypto world, centralized exchanges like the Gemini's, Coinbase's, they've been fairly um, slow to add all kinds of assets. They've tried to stick to you know large caps, and, and now we're starting to see them leak into some of the a little bit smaller ones. Where do we end up? Let's work kind of backwards from the future, right? So where does this end up? Is it that I can go and trade every all the currencies, the tokenized stocks, the collectibles, like every digital asset in one single exchange? Or do we get a fragmented world where uh, maybe all the crypto collectibles are traded on a single exchange and then all the tokenized stocks are traded on another exchange and, and you get that fragmentation? Yeah, I, I um, that's a really great way to frame it. I think that the the you do get some fragmentation. Okay. Um, I think you bifurcate the security style financial, those type of instruments and the new asset class. Okay. And the reason that I believe that so much is that uh, the, the laws today don't do not allow you to trade other assets and securities in the same uh, mechanism. So it's already somewhat bifurcated in a way. You're, you're um, saying you can't trade a known security, let's say like a tokenized stock. Some, somebody who has the issuer says, this is a security, I'm gonna treat it like a security. An exchange- Commodities uh, and stocks, it's very difficult to have one platform and all of them mixed in from a regulatory perspective. Got it. So once you bifurcate those, and when I say bifurcate, you have the, the securities, the financial instruments, and then you have uh, these utility tokens, the tokens that represent what? And that's really what the conversation is. Um, and we believe in this new asset class, maybe not so much as it's been formulated by uh, the entrance to the space in 2017, but we're, we're big believers in tokens and utility tokens. We don't think that the highest and best use or um, really what these tokens represent has fully been, been discovered. All right, so this is gonna be fun because I disagree, but I want you to convince me to believe what you believe. Um, my whole position on this is utility tokens are definitely incentives, right? I, I think we agree on that. Um, we've had a digital incentives for a long time, streaks, points, badges, etc. This is a new, potentially more valuable or powerful type of incentive. But how is a user going to manage 10, 20, 100 different utility tokens across all the different platforms they use, or maybe that's not the world you see in the future. Yeah, so with Total, you don't have to manage all these things because we exchange them right to the asset that you want. So that's one solution. Um, the other part of it too is that I do believe it is incentives. But again, it's, it's capturing value in a way that we have not really understood it. I'll give you a couple examples and okay, we can perfect. walk through. I go on Facebook and I like your photo. You won't right. like mine, but you'll like somebody's. Okay, I like I like a photo. <laughs> Whoever's photo that is, right? I've just built their social equity, their social proof. Okay? okay. But in order for them to monetize that, they have to go find a company, right, that wants to market to the people who view their page, take that product, stand in front of the camera, go, hi, I'm here, and then have that company pay them for how many times? It makes no sense. It's like, it's not really, so if there was a way to capture that value, right, and immediately have you, uh, or have me like this this photo and have that person immediately take that social equity and buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks within seconds without having to go through all the friction and uh, paying Chase 2% twice to convert the value value, well, then you're going to unlock a lot of opportunity that we can't even see or comprehend quite yet. 
as a as a race or as a, it, as it, a it's funny you talk about this because I, I forget the um what was the company clout score Right, right. I don't know if you remember that, where basically they tried to take all some, you know, some formula and say how many followers you have, how much engagement you have, who are those followers, et cetera. And they basically assigned it a score to it. And they said, you know, you've got 70 is your score as clout and mine is 50. Right. Yep. right? And you've got yeah, more yep. clout than I have right. on, yeah, on yeah, social, yeah. et cetera. And so really a lot of these ideas on the utility tokens we've seen before in, in terms of the directional um, idea now the argument I think you're making is the utility token itself actually provides a much more powerful way to monetize and, and incentivize people to do things. Correct. It's, it's, it's powerful incentives and it's also powerful val- capturing a value that we could not put into any instrument before. This is a new instrument that now represents value. We could not as a, as a people, as people could understand. So this is, this is completely new. There's a new asset class here for sure. In my opinion, would it be fair to say that many of these utility tokens, so the example I always think of is like AWS credits with Amazon, right? They use it both as a way to pay. So to get access to computing power to their network, et cetera. But they also use it as an incentive where they say, Hey, I'll give you $15,000 worth of AWS credits. When you start your company, you start using AWS, switching costs is really high. Now they got you in their ecosystem and, and they start doing it. It's not based on blockchain. It's not cryptographically secure. But a lot of the mechanisms and the underlying uh, logic that goes into how they use that AWS credit is similar to utility token. Yes, so I would fair? say that airline miles would represent the same thing. Um, reward system, reputation, uh, all sorts of. I mean, look, there's guys outside of crypto that talk about this stuff. This isn't like you know incentives aren't this like mind blowing thing that crypto created. <laughs> Bill, Bill Gross even talks about it. He says pay per click was first. The real revolution is pay per action. Mm-hmm. You know, and he doesn't really talk about crypto all the time. This is this is a way to program isms, to program incentives. That's what this technology does. Do you think the incumbent companies will who have these incentive based programs, right? So the AWS's, the airlines, etc. Does it make sense for them to tokenize or, or put those systems on a blockchain? Do they get advantages out of that, or do you think that? They've got what works. They're using it. They'll continue down that path. And it's new things, new incentives that people create that will actually go on the blockchain. No, I think I think eventually they do go on the blockchain. I think that the 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 incentive structure, as you just went through that, you know, why how that why they have these points and stuff. Yep. It benefits the, the organization. Mm-hmm. Having the points doesn't benefit the, the user. It mm-hmm. keeps them in the ecosystem. It you know, it benefits them by allowing by putting on a blockchain that benefits the user. Now it allows them to, it unlocks that value, removes the value from depending on American Airlines to administrate that value for them. Now they can take that value to uh, Iran and, you know, buy a piece of clothing with an airline mile for the U.S. But they don't have to tell American Airlines that they're doing that. Yep. So does this lead to this world of gamification and incentives that... um we, we could say that this like social credit scoring that China is thinking about, right, where basically all of your actions get assigned some kind of score, positive or negative, kind of like an Uber type rating. And if you fall below a certain threshold, you lose, you know, quote unquote, access or rights to things. And if you are deemed a sure. good citizen, right, you get access to certain things. Is that this doesn't? This? Yeah, this doesn't scare me. This is great because really, to be honest, you there should be multiple scoring systems. Why do we have one credit score? That makes no sense. 
Why is it that there's one authority that says what everybody's credit is? <laughs> it's like ridiculous. You should be able to go to another network and say, look, this network screwed up. They don't have my credit right. And over time, it'll be proven. If you're on five networks and your credit sucks, your credit sucks. If you're yep. on, you know, five networks and four of them say you're 100 percent and one says you're a D one, you know, one screwed up. So it's 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 more about opening and allowing free markets to decide all of these things. I, I you know, my personal belief is that free markets and uh, you could privatize every government organization and it would operate. Let's dig into this. You think that you can privatize every government organization? Mm-hmm. Every government organization, every government service. What would be the hardest one to privatize? Probably healthcare. Okay. Why? I just think it's such a there there's a there's a social aspect to it that's not economic that gets tied into that. I mean, there's a there's more than one of those, but I'm using healthcare as that example. I'll give you a good example. We just took public transportation and yep. we privatized it. How? As a people. How? Because Uber and the Uberization, whether it's Uber itself as a company, forget that. I'm using Uber as an adjective here. We're, we're investors in Lyft over here. We only talk about Lyft. Okay. I don't know what that other one is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ride sharing. Uh, what's what's the word now that they use? There was one. I was just in Texas and they, they had an abbreviation for it where I stood. I don't know what it is anymore. So the ride sharing applications. <laughs> All right. So my point is, is that that created an economy for transportation that didn't exist prior. And it completely unlocked value in areas of this country that did not have transportation for people, um, you know, to move around. I'm from Detroit. This is a great example. We had no transportation from people, the suburbs who grew up in the suburbs. Right. So this is a generation after all of the issues we've had. Didn't want to go back down to the city because there was no transportation to take them there. You're going to love this. So my father, who doesn't listen to podcasts, I think he literally learned what a podcast was about a month and a half ago, uh, said to me one time, he goes, what, what what did you just do on your phone while the car came? And I explained it to him and he said, I'll never use that. And this is like probably two years ago. And I said, why not? And he goes, I'm not waiting 20 minutes for that thing to come pick me up. Right? <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's how I feel when people are like, I'm not waiting an hour for that transaction to be confirmed. It's like, you're going to wait a week to get the check from the bank. Like, what is wrong with you? Well, the, the spoiler to the story is he uses Uber all the time now. Yeah, right? I'm not we're, surprised. We're, we're trying to get him on the Lyft train, but he's still uh, he's still on Uber. That's fine. Um, you got more, right. It's because you have more or lift currency, you know? <laughs> so let, let's talk about uh, regulation on a global basis for these decentralized exchanges, right? So with the decentralized exchange, what you do is you remove a lot of, I think, the, um, the aspects that are highly regulated in traditional markets, but there's still going to be some level of regulation. How do you think about multiple jurisdictions that are trying to all look at a decentralized exchange and, and figure out just what are the rules? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really big issue because it creates a lot of friction. You know, there's a, the 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 interoperability is tough enough for the blockchains. The interoperability of the jurisdictions even worse, and so I I think that there needs to be, um, especially in the U.S., this hands-off approach. Um, obviously, that's my personal opinion, but I, I see pragmatic. Realistically, I see a lot of people moving to these island nations, and I don't know how much in the long run that really makes a difference. Eventually, you have to serve U.S. customers. That's what the law is based on. Um, so maybe it's good. Maybe it's good for testing in these markets. Maybe that's how uh, we make we make 
progress. I mean, look at Facebook's testing a stablecoin in India. So maybe it's not so bad that there that we're, the innovations coming offshore in order for us to figure that out. I'm highly biased because I work there. If Facebook launches a stablecoin in India, it may be one of the most impactful applications of technology in our lifetime. True or false? False. Why? Because they're not innovating or you said applications. Yeah, basically, if they do that, it could it has the chance to disrupt a lot of the monetary issues in India, and it would be one of the first times that a large technology company went right head to head with a government backed currency and said, "Let the people choose between a government controlled option and a non government controlled option." It will be it will be very interesting to see. I definitely think it'll be a big move, and I, I also think that. Uh, it really have to do with regulation more than the tech, though. I mean, I think right right now India is banned crypto, right, or banned ICOs. Yeah, or- they, well, they've gone back and forth. The India is uh, interesting because they actually took the path of uh, the the fight to which I think is the most intelligent way. You don't go head on with crypto and say we're going to ban ownership of it. We're going to ban uh, ICOs. All they said was to the legacy folks, the people who actually listen to the rules and, and think that whatever the regulators say is you know the gospel, they said, you cannot work with any crypto companies. And so if you think of like, from my perspective, the single point of failure for crypto is still the dependence on the legacy financial system, which is what they went right after. How is that different than the U.S.? It's not. If the, if the, how would you, if you're the U.S. government, how would you, and you felt threatened by crypto, Bitcoin, different blockchain applications, what would you do to try to stop or stall the adoption and growth? Build a wall. <laughs> <laughs> After you built the wall, what would you do? That's the only way to really keep crypto up because like it comes through with all the sensors. There's no other way to really keep it up. The, the caravan um, of crypto enthusiasts. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I, what would I do? Uh, by the way, I just, I, Im- I just imagined all the characters from Twitter like in a caravan. And that's really scary. <laughs> all right. So what, what would you do though, for real? I mean, I, I mean, it's all an, it's an Internet infrastructure play. China's trying to do this. Every, you know, governments, I think, are, I mean, Russia's tried to to block uh, Telegram. Mm-hmm. Um, so blocking cryptographic applications is not new. Um, but I, I would say if the if the I mean, I can't believe the U.S. government, whatever. That would be crazy to me that they would try to destroy or try to block it completely. It seemed that seems pretty so, un-American to me. I. I've tweeted this before, so I think he's comfortable with me saying he said it. Uh, Zuko, um, who's working on Zcash, told me once, he said, look, a lot of people are worried about the privacy coins. And they think the government's going to say, you know, why do you need a privacy coin if you don't have anything to hide type argument? And he explained to me that, uh, which I didn't know, was when encryption first came on the scene, uh, there was this huge debate where the government basically said, why do you need encrypted uh, communications and data if you've got nothing to hide? And so there was this huge fight between the government and people working on encryption. And eventually there was this hearing in front of you know legislators, et cetera. And he's like, how funny is it that today encryption is seen as a best practice, right? If, if you right. actually are communicating in a non-encrypted way, it's actually a bad thing. Right. And so his belief is, look, the privacy features on tokens today will actually every single token will have them at some point in the future. Governments will get comfortable with this stuff, etc. That's a pretty big leap given where we are today. But there is some precedent with other types of encryption or, or privacy um, technology that it happened. Yeah, I mean, my, my personal belief on the thing in terms of viewing the, the KYC and all of that 
I think that that's needed for going from your fiat currency to your crypto. Once you're in crypto and you're in the ecosystem, going from crypto to crypto doesn't seem like that's really needed. Um, but I, I do think that there is a uh, th- th- I don't believe in like no you know, complete anarchy, no regulation. I just think that there it needs to be done in a way that's going to allow uh, innovation in this country specifically. If regulators get it wrong, do people leave? Yes, I think that people do leave, um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it plays out. If they, you know, I'm not really sure. I think they leave in droves. I, I, I really do. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of people I talk to in this industry, and they do not live in the United States. They have no plans to live in the United States, and some of it is what I'll put under like the quality of life, right? They just want to live somewhere else. They think it's better, warmer weather, you know, whatever their kind of reasoning is. But then there's a lot of people who just say, look, I'm just going to sidestep completely all the regulatory issues by living somewhere else. Yeah, it doesn't, you mean, again though, once you serve U.S. customers, it's, you know, that's that's the thing. Once you serve U.S. customers, you have to play by U.S. rules. What we've done at Total is we've decided we're not going to play in any securities. So we don't deal with securities. You can't buy any securities through our software. Um, we are completely associated on what's uh, noted as virtual commodities. Got it. What's the most interesting virtual commodity you've seen? That's a that's a good one. What's the most interesting? Man, virtual? you said that twice. I, I know. I'm on I, fire today. Caught me. A most interesting <laughs> virtual commodity. Uh, Bitcoin. I was just going to say that's the right answer. Good job. What's the second most? <laughs> All right. I mean, I would say Ethereum, but to make it interesting, we'll go with a token. Uh, you know what? I really believe in BAT. I think BAT's going to be one of these that really makes it. Basic attention token. That makes it out of crypt. Like, they have this platform, oh, and it's I use Brave. Expl- explain <clears throat> so as, Brave as best is, you can. And I can Brave is an alternative to Chrome. It's a browser. Okay. And it's focused on privacy. It also has a native cryptocurrency basic attention token, BAT. And it that rewards users reward uh venues for their attention and venues reward users for their attention and vice versa you can pay them using the bat token it's an ecosystem it's an economy based on this token i think that it's going to actually take hold with people who are new to the space who have not really used crypto before i i think the product stands first and that's similar how we're doing it at total and our ethos, but they focused on this browser. They've disrupted the browser space, right? Mm-hmm. And now the crypto aspect, the incentive, okay, to to bring the thing full circle is built in inherently into the model. And so that just by focusing on a problem that people are having and developing a product that improves their life, right? And then using crypto as a way to run that economy. I mean, they're doing it right. That's that's kind of well, how I feel about it. It's interesting because whenever there's new technology, you can do one of two things with it, right? You can either use it to build something the world's never seen before, do something new with it, or you can use it to improve the old world. And I think a lot of people in crypto are focused on building that new world, things we've never seen before, and they're all excited. What that team did was they actually improved an old world, right? They went to they built a browser. We've got plenty of browser options, but they incorporated new elements or or kind of new shiny uh, advantageous elements that make the old browser world much more interesting to a lot of people who are interested in this world. Yeah, I mean that was that was all on purpose too. You know, the purposely wanted to disrupt Firefox, and <laughs> that's that's what's happening. And I think I mean that's creative destruction at its finest. Absolutely. Um, what's your biggest worry in the crypto industry? 
Um, I think it goes back to our last conversation. My 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 number one worry is the U.S. doesn't get it right, and uh, that that's really my fear. My the the second I think from the technical side, my fear is that the tribalism in the space really continues, and we end up with uh, a much longer battle than's needed to take down the real enemy. What? What is the most likely way that the U.S. gets it wrong? Is it around regulation and like the security stuff or is there something else? No, I think they get in their own way. I think it's the same. It's not different. It's not like a new story here. Yep. You know, they end up in this situation and the guy, their their buddies <laughs> want the licenses and there's no way for them to make it fair. You can't this technology. You can't get your hands around. Right. That's what they're so used to. They're mm-hmm. hands, getting their hands around, making it OK. OK, you have Goldman. You you have this role. Everyone has this role, okay, and it's good. That you can't do that with this. You can't grab this. This is this has its own life. I hope no one from Goldman's here, but uh, they got their own <laughs> troubles, man. They're the the one MDB stuff is uh, is pretty wild. Yeah, and my my other biggest uh, concern is it, 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 going back to the tribalism and the fragmentation of the market is the scaling for uh, these blockchains. I mean, we just had a delay today. Uh, you saw that. Do you, for the, do you want to talk about it? I mean, I don't I didn't. I was busy all day. So I just saw a tweet <laughs> that we won't have this upgrade. So the Ethereum update uh, that everyone was, uh, we could say, lightly excited about uh, didn't happen, which in hindsight is like the most crypto thing of all time. Right. Like literally, let's all get excited about it. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to save this. You know, it's going to make it more scalable. And it doesn't even get launched. It's not yeah. even that way. It didn't work. It just doesn't get launched. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the thing. This is the new this is the fact that we're in this era where uh, this organization, right, Ethereum is they're making all these decisions on the fly. There's no you know, there's no history for this stuff. Do, do you think that is a disadvantage for most of these utility tokens and all? like alt network slash coins. And this is actually one of the areas where Bitcoin, because of the slow development and because of the kind of more methodical process actually has an advantage. Or do you think it's just those two things aren't really that correlated and people are making mistakes? Yeah, I don't think that when you say mistakes, what do you mean by making mistakes? Well, some would argue that uh, there wasn't enough planning. There wasn't enough um, kind of methodical approach to implementing this. And if there had been perfect execution of it, we would have had it implemented today. Yeah, I think that there's truth to that. But I think that the, the, what you're talking about, these delays, this all the, the uh, disorganization or whatever you want to call it, it's a product of the fact that these types of organizations or models that come from crypto are not like the old models, right? Mm-hmm. We're human. And there's there's a human element to the growth of these organizations. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there needs to be consensus, true consensus from the group to change the protocols. We have new communities forking and happening and, you know, like it just it's not the same as as a traditional model in terms of how how they evolve and how they develop. So I'll take it a step further. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Can you imagine the reaction from the U.S. government if they went up to somebody and said, shut that off? And the person's response was, I can't. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? I mean, like like if somebody was like, hey, shut off the Bitcoin network and I can't. You think they know that? You think that they can't, I, so, so, can't call Mr. Bitcoin CEO and be like, turn it off, bro. It's <laughs> so, over. No. So I, I will. And I said this quite a lot because I really do believe it. The U.S. regulators specifically have done a fantastic job of towing the line. And what I mean by that is 
they're aware of this stuff. They're really trying hard to get educated. They're only going after people that are like the obvious scammers, right? So people who are frauds, who who took money and ran, all that kind of stuff. And they've stayed away from like the heavy handed, we're going to ban ICOs or we're going to ban this or you can't do that. And they may retroactively go after people, but I think that they have allowed so, so or encouraged you're, innovation. <laughs> But your opinion is that the the fact that ICOs were billions and billions of dollars, and now that they're at zero, it's because that was natural markets. No, 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 no. I, I don't think that it was all natural, or do I think that it was all good behavior? What I'm <clears> saying is, if you asked me, should the regulators ban all of this before it happens, versus should they let it happen and figure it out after the fact? I actually would lean towards the regulators weren't educated enough at the time, and they probably would say this to just say we're going to ban it all. They didn't know what it was. They they didn't ha- they hadn't had enough time to do the work, and so now they're much more educated. They're likely to go back through that kind of damage and say, "Hey, forty percent of you guys, you guys are bad actors. You shouldn't have done that stuff. You're in trouble." The other fifty, sixty percent. You think they you really care the right about the bad actors? Yes. The, yes. I disagree. I think that they come in and if this is their opportunity to wait just long enough okay. to be the hero, okay, and come in and save pop, mom and pop from crypto, you know, extravaganza Godzilla. And they, over the next 30 years, they get to be looked at as the hero of saving people and regulation is good. So by by enforcing that message for people and by saying that the SEC actually does something, then they, then they, they, they create a use for themselves in the system. Do you think there's no use? There's absolutely no use for, for really? what they're doing. What, what would you so if they went away? This this is an interesting thought exercise. If the SEC and other regulators like them went away, how would we ensure any sort of compliance or uh, sanity in the markets? It's the same way we talked about all these other privatiz- privatization. You're going to have a, a private rating agency is going to emerge, and they're going to say this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good, and they only get away with lying one time. That's fair. Uh, Along this lines, is there the possibility that someone builds a quote unquote decentralized regulatory body and hands it to regulators and says, listen, this is going to do a better job than you. You should defer to this decentralized organization that no one controls. Yeah. And what do you think their response is going to be? Well, I, I have an opinion, but what do you think? <laughs> Go fly a kite. <laughs> All right. Before I wrap up, I always do a uh, rapid fire set of questions. Uh what is the one regulation, if you could wave a magic wand and change or improve, that you would uh, change or improve? Taxation. Next question. How how would you change it? <laughs> Remove it. Completely. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you there's tell no me need that, for wait, on, government services and government organizations, then why do you need taxation? You think there's zero need? Zero need. Every private organization can pay. You need uh, private security, you'll you'll pay on demand. How would you pay for roads that you use that are public property? There would be a, a private organization that would obviously make some money for administrating that process. And you would contribute if you wanted to drive your car or you hit some potables. <laughs> I'm just imagining like a road filled with a bunch well, of potholes. Well, you could go on the cheaper road. There's a lot more, there's a lot more potholes on that one. All right. 
if the technology was there and the car was able, like if there, so here's my whole theory, actually, this is pretty interesting. So my whole theory with blockchain and crypto is that we're simply tokenizing every stock bond currency and commodity in the world, because what it does is it empowers machine to machine transactions. It empowers like all the automation, et cetera. And so in that world, there is a thing that you could have, right? And this is completely theoretical. When the car drives down the road, it knows how far you drove down the road. It knows what the price per mile or, or price per foot or whatever it is. And it actually pays for the usage of the road rather than how much your income is. And we're going to tax you based on it. Certainly. It's still a tax. Now you could argue, does that go to a yeah, public so entity saying, or a private yes. entity? Yeah. Right? I'm saying going to a public entity. That's, that's what I was just saying. But yeah, okay. I, I, I would say I would move tax. We get. I'm blown I, I away. Just, you said taxation. That's great. No theft. one's ever said that before. Oh my god. Um, all right. Uh, if what's the most important book you've ever read? Um, you were quick on the taxation yeah. answer on the book. You got no read, answer. Well, no. Though, to be honest, I don't read a lot of books. I read a lot of articles. I did. I did like the Big Short. The Big Short. Yeah. All right. What's the best article you've read recently? That's a good, another good one. I like my favorite three, channel. I'm three for three. Go yeah, ahead. My, my favorite channel is the Atlantic. So I like the media, my favorite medium. I like reading their stuff. So okay. I just, so I, all the times. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's the most important company in crypto? Still Coinbase to me. Why? Because of the influence they have over the retail user. If Facebook launches something that hits more users, do they be, do they replace Coinbase as the most important company in crypto? They compete for sure. Okay. That's fair. Um, so before I end and let you ask me a question, uh, I was asked one non-crypto question. Probability that aliens exist. 99.9%. How do you arrive at 99.9%? And why is it not a hundred? Cause nothing's a hundred percent. That's the only reason. That's not true. It's a hundred percent true that you're sitting next to me right now. No, it's not. <laughs> that was pretty good. All right. So wait, why 99.9? <laughs> it's just because nothing's hundred percent. I believe in it and nothing's hundred percent. That's all there is to it. Do you think that there's a shot that you meet an alien before you die? I, I would say yes, there's a shot. I'd say it's, that's a much lower percentage. All right. The reason why I ask that question is because I always think like if I met one, what would I do? Yeah. Now, and can they, I ask you a question? Well, hold on. The only thing that I would do if I met an alien is like, you want to go grab a beer? <laughs> like, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I mean, if you can speak to it and it can hear you, then probably probably what we'll do. All right. What's your one question? Are you an alien? <laughs> no, I'm not an alien. Come on. You got a better question than that. That's it. That's my only question. That's your question. So uh, I, how I, could I know for sure? So there's there's one person who one hundred percent. I won't say who it is, but they always describe people that they think are like the outliers as they say that person's an alien, and, uh, and he's in crypto. And the last time he said it, I like pushed him on. I was like, "What do you mean he's an alien?" And he was like, "Well, that guy kind of thinks differently. You know, doesn't seem like he." Like, came from where we came from. Right, I, mean, the right. I was like, man, there's a lot of fucking aliens in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Fair um, enough. All right, cool. Thank you so much. Uh, we are holding people up from dinner, so I appreciate you coming. We'll have to do this again. Thank and, you for uh, having me. We really appreciate it. And everyone check out Total, T-O-T-L-E dot com. Dot com? Dot com. All right, 100%. Appreciate it. <laughs> hey, everyone. Pop here. If you like this episode of Off The Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. 
to review, simply go to the Off The Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.